Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications a new way to play fantasy today's episode is brought to you by flex fantasy and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all when you sign up for a free account and download the flex fantasy app you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. That's right, folks. We are back. We are back for the first recap of the NFL season. The Sunday Funday edition recapping the Thursday nights and, of course, all the Sunday afternoon games. Thank you for tuning into the show on the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel. Make sure to check us out also live on BellyUp.TV. You can catch us on demand when you download the Foxy Network app on your favorite TV device and stay up to date with the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app. And please give us a five-star review. It greatly helps out the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. This is the first recap 
of the 2022 NFL season. And what a doozy it was. We got a lot to talk about, a lot of storylines. But I have to say, there's a, there's a few things that I have to get off my chest just to start off the show that are for your benefit, advice to you guys. The first and the biggest one, of course, is that you cannot make decisions, you know, one way or another based on week one. You can't do it. There have been too many times we've seen players have these huge week ones or even do absolutely nothing. And by the time the end of the season rolls around, nobody even remembers what happens because of what the rest of the course of the season took place. There is a reason why we do all of this off-season research to get you ready for the team, to get you ready for the season, to get you ready with our projections for the year. All, a lot of things go into it, and you can't just throw it all completely away after week one. Having said that, there are some things that I find funny as an analyst that I do have to kind of drastically change my view on, or at least change what my question on a player is for them to succeed or what their pathway actually is for fantasy football success after a week one situation can drastically change some of those variables on certain players in certain circumstances. And that's what these shows are for. That's why we recap the action. That's why we talk about it and give the insights of the game so we have a better, more clear understanding of what we need to do moving forward. And there was quite a few guys that, you know what, we might come out on the other side with wildly different opinions than what we had going into the season. But again, with your rosters, you don't want to make rash decisions based on emotion because that's when you make mistakes and that's when you lose your leagues before it even gets started. So we're going to go over a few things, but we're going to have some fun first. So again, like, like I said all last week, and we've been introducing you guys to new segments, the new ways that we've kind of changed up the show. We're not just going to read off box scores, talk about you know some of our insights of the game based off of that, and go game by game by game until we're all the way done the episode. No, we're going to have a little more fun. We got the thumpers and bumpers. That's going to be the first half of the show for the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. And then we're going to have our game notes, our extra credit game notes in the second half of the show. So that's how these weekly recaps are going to run from here on out. So let's have a little bit of fun and let's jump in right away to the thumpers and bummers, starting with the quarterback position. And you know what? I always want my bad news first. Let's start off with our number three bummer at the quarterback. Quarterback bummers. So my number three bummer at the quarterback position was Trey Lance. Now, there was a lot of things to take into consideration that we can't just walk away from this game, myself included, even as a person who has been warning people against Trey Lance and his quarterbacking abilities. There are some factors that were out of his control, one being the monsoon that was the Chicago 49er game. Now, it was much worse in the second half as far as the weather is concerned than it was in the first half. And there are a few things that we'll talk about later on in the second half of the show during the game notes that I do want to point out, but... Trey Lance, 13 of 28, 164 yards, didn't have a passing touchdown, throw a pick, but did run the ball 13 times for 54 yards, which kind of makes it even that much more disappointing that he was one of the worst performances from a fantasy standpoint on the day. When you, If you hear that a quarterback rushes double-digit times, it usually sets up for a safe floor, and he was ranked as such. I mean, I even had him as my QB 14 heading into this game against Chicago, unable to produce because it was just so bad in the passing game and he didn't get in the end zone on the ground to kind of make up for the day. 
We'll have to see, but we got more notes to talk about in that game later on. Let's let's switch things up and go to our quarterback, our number three quarterback thumper. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! So our number three quarterback thumper is Carson Wentz. 27 of 41, 313 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. And I got to tell you, Carson Wentz put on a full display of what his career has been up until this point, without a doubt. We, he started off hot, and they were winning the game because Carson Wentz was playing really well. And he did a Carson Wentz thing where he gives the game away, or at least almost does, but a couple of turnovers, sets up Jacksonville. Jacksonville actually takes the lead. And then he does Carson Wentz things where he actually winds up winning the game at the end because he makes the big plays in the clutch time, something he's consistently done, actually, throughout his career. He had a big fantasy performance here today. They've definitely shown in Washington they have a few more weapons than they've had the past few seasons. Carson Wentz is somebody who's going to be a QB2 for me for the rest of the year. He's not going not gonna to move up likely unless he just puts these kind of performances on the table every single week. Not likely seeing him moving up into a low-end QB1 status, but a streaming territory QB2, he's going to be in that territory, and we can kind of see why after this week one. Who's our number two bummer at the quarterback position? Quarterback bummers. We switch back to our bummers, and we go back to the Thursday night game for that, and that was Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford was 29 of 41, 240 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. Now, the three picks weren't all his fault. The one interception was really bad, but two picks off the receiver's hands. Could they have been better throws? Sure, but also he hit his guys that he was aiming for. Stafford had a horrible game on Thursday night. We're going to talk about that game in a little more detail, too, in the second half of the show because there were some other factors in the Rams in general that we're just going to have to kind of get to, but... Better days will be ahead for Matthew Stafford. This is still Sean McVay. This is still a very good offense. If you drafted Stafford to be your low-end QB1 later on in your drafts, you should not be coming off that stance just after a week one performance against what could be the number one defense in the NFL by the time this year is out. Who's our number two? Quarterback Thumpers. This is Sparta! Our number two quarterback thumpers, Patrick Mahomes. Man, is he good. 30 of 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And while we'll talk about the pass catchers for them in a bit, not having Tyreek Hill was not a problem. He looked very comfortable with what he had out there on the field, where he wanted to go with the ball. And the chemistry on offense in general was very good. It's a bad Arizona defense, but ultimately... If you draft Patrick Holmes, I, I cautioned you guys against drafting him at his number two ADP simply because of where you had to draft him in drafts, which was likely in the top four rounds. Maybe if you were lucky, the top five rounds. I cautioned against that because of the value. I would still do the same thing. But if you did take that chance, you are a happy camper here today. Let's go to our number one bummer. Quarterback bummers. Our number one quarterback bummer of week one so far. We still have the Sunday night and the Monday night games to get to, which we'll talk about in tomorrow's show. Make sure you tune into that Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern when we go over the waiver savers, we go over our heroes and zeros, and we want, we round down the recap of the primetime games in that episode. 
But right now, so far, Aaron Rodgers, our number one bummer. He's a guy who is drafted and projected inside the top 12 of quarterbacks to be that low in QB1. And without Alan Lazard out there, it just didn't look like he had anybody he really, truly wanted to go to with the ball. And it showed in the minutes. So the other part of it, you know, not having his starting left tackle showed up too. the offensive line didn't do him any favors. 195 yards on 22 of 34, zero touchdowns, one interception. I had Rodgers ranked as a QB 12 to 13 for me. So I had him teetering on that low end QB one, high end QB two territory because I don't care how great you are as a quarterback. If you have nobody to throw the ball to, there's only a certain ceiling of which you can reach. We're only a few years away removed from a 2019 season in which Aaron Rodgers was not good for fantasy or at least did not live up to his ADP expectations. I don't think Rodgers is going to be a lock him in type of quarterback every single week. It showed up wide today. Lazard should be back at some point, so this should get a little bit better, but it was not a good day for Aaron Rodgers. But let's switch sides and go to our number one quarterback thumper of the week. Quarterback thumpers. This is Sparta! We once again travel back to that Thursday night game, and we get Josh Allen, who just looked like he was just as advertised that entire matchup against the Rams. 26 of 31, 297 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and then he ran the ball, and this was key. Ran the ball 10 times for 56 yards and a rushing touchdown. Coming off the heels of a lot of talk of would Josh Allen, who's becoming that franchise guy and getting closer to that contract, would he become the guy who just stays in the pocket and makes business decisions for the long term of the franchise and not run as much? That wasn't the case, nor was that ca- was that the case in the offensive play calling. Ken Dorsey had direct runs schemed in for Josh Allen. They weren't all just scrambles. They were called runs for the quarterback. That's what you love to see. If you drafted Josh Allen number one overall, that's what you needed to see. That's what you got to see on Thursday night. Josh Allen, our number one quarterback thumper. Now we can switch gears. We can talk about the running backs, and let's start off with the running back bummers. Running back bummers. I just realized I probably should have made this clear before we went to the segment, but the bummers, the bummers and thumpers, we're only doing the top three and bottom three to that point of the recap for for these segments. Just you know, a little fun, keeping it simple, and highlighting certain guys from the weekend one way or another. But our number one bummer. Or I'm sorry, our number three bummer at the quarter at the running back position, Damian Pierce. 11 carries, 33 yards, zero touchdowns on the ground, and only one target, one reception for six yards through the air. We're going to talk about this in a little more detail in the second half of the show and the extra credit game notes as well. But everybody who drafted Damian Pierce, and this is one of the reasons why I was cautioning against pumping him up too high. Everyone who drafted Damian Pierce like he was going to be a top 20 running back this year and ignored the fact that Rex Burkhead was going to be involved, especially in the passing game, that Damian Pierce was not going to be a workhorse back on a bad team. Furthermore, this was a game script that was actually more favorable for a guy like a Damian Pierce because Houston was actually leading most of this game. It took the Colts coming back and tying this game up and sending it to overtime and ultimately ending it in a tie. And yet still, Pierce worked from a snap count well behind Rex Burkhead, split the carries essentially, and was completely left out of the passing game. Damian Pierce is something to worry about moving forward because he's not going to get the volume I think you were hoping for. And that Houston Texan offense, surprise, surprise, 
is still really bad, limiting his scoring opportunities. This is something that I think is more than just a week one issue. We'll talk about more in the second half of the show, but this is why he's our number three bummer of the week. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Our number three thumper. Thumper at the running back position, DeAndre Swift. Now, there's a lot of things that get tied into this. Again, we'll talk about it later. But DeAndre Swift, 15 carries, 144 yards. gets a touchdown on the ground. And he tacks on three targets, three receptions for 31 yards in the air. I know they didn't really play like it today, at least not all for all four quarters. They did better in the second half. But this Eagles defense, I'm telling you, is going to be really good, especially against the run against most teams. And DeAndre Swift had a great game and showed how explosive he was, even in a situation where he was splitting time with Jamal Williams. He was still able to produce and perform like he did last season as a top edge running back. Now, there's some things that we're, we got to put some context to, and we will, we will later in the show. But for right now, for week one, against what is going to be a good run defense by the end of this year, this is an impressive performance out of DeAndre Swift. Running back bummers. Our number two running back bummer, Romandre Stevenson. Eight carries, 25 yards. Only two targets, two receptions for two yards. This was very disappointing. Look, there was a lot of hype about Romandre Stevenson possibly getting the opportunity to work in as a pass catcher, as the pass catcher. Or at the very least, him and Damian Harris being allowed to be the workhorse backs when it was their series on a series by series basis. That didn't wind up coming to fruition. Ramondre Stevenson, as a result, against the Miami Dolphins, had a very putrid game. He was ranked as an RB3 territory for me. So he was a flex consideration. Somebody I thought you could put in your lineups if need be. And he did not, did not give you the performance that you are hoping for in this matchup. And there are some more long-term considerations that come with what we saw out of this game that we'll go over later in the show. Running back bummers. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! Forgive me getting a little trigger happy with some of the drops there. Our number two thumper. We are talking about the thumpers. Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries, 161 yards, a touchdown, seven targets. That's key. Four receptions, 14 yards. Jonathan Taylor is my number one ranked running back heading into the week against the Houston Texans. And before we talk about the other guy, he very well would have been had the other guy not gone off. We'll talk about him soon. But Jonathan Taylor, 31 carries. It's the workload you want. He performed the way you want him to Why, when you drafted him at your RB1 position for most people. And you expect him to do this against a team like the Houston Texans. And he delivered in the way you'd expect him to in this matchup. He's great. And great things are here. More to come. Running back bummers. Our number one running back bummer. It's Cam Akers. This is a guy who's ranked as an RB2, not just for the draft process, but coming into the week. He got three carries, zero yards. He got called up by his coach the next day. We have no idea what to expect with his workload moving forward. And it's a terrible situation. And again, another situation where it's not just 
week one and gives you a goose egg. It's the fact that you have other things you're going to have to consider moving forward. So Cam Akers, our number one running back bummer on the week. Running back thumpers. This is Sparta! You want to talk about a guy who took his team on his back and brought them to a win? That was Saquon Barkley. He took the Giants on his back in that second half and almost single-handedly, not almost, did single-handedly pretty much put his team in position to win that game. 18 carries, 164 yards, gets a touchdown, and then seven targets, six receptions, and 30 yards. Barkley was the offense. Jones did not have a good game. None of the pass catchers had a good game. But Saquon Barkley delivered. And if you drafted Saquon Barkley and took the chance on him or hoping you're getting an RB1 level performance, you got that. And as long as he's healthy, he looks ready to shine in this Brian Dable offense. So that does it for the running back bummers and thumpers. It's going to be a good group. It's going to be a good group. We it's we got a lot to talk about throughout week one. A lot of things to consider. And I can't wait to get the second half of the show to go into more detail. But before we do that, we still got the wide receiver bummers and thumpers. Wide receiver bummers. Our number three wide receiver bummer. We had a, even, even with all the action on Sunday, we've consistently had to go back to that Thursday night game because there's so many top end and low end performances. And Allen Robinson, one catch on 12 yards with two targets. Allen Robinson, our number three bummer of the week at the wide receiver position. Better days are ahead. Too good of a quarterback, too good of a coach, too good of an offense in general, too good of a wide receiver, too good of a player. I don't think this game, you know, for those out there who are naysayers on Allen Robinson after last season because they were burnt on him in fantasy football, uh, this did not. This game did not go as a check mark in their basket of why they were right. This was a game in which outside of Cooper Cup, which I probably should have mentioned his name because we will talk about him in a second, nobody on the Rams really did anything of note. And we know that's not going to be the case all season long. I'm not worried about it long term, but for this week, it was a drastic bummer for a guy who was ranked as a flex play for me, a wide receiver three, and in a lot of people's starting lineups to see what they could get out of the guy who has the best quarterback in his career that week one. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! His teammate, his teammate Cooper Cup is our number three thumper, though. 15 targets, 13 receptions, 128 yards, and a touchdown. If you drafted Cooper Cup, number one receiver overall, or even if you got him number two because somebody took Justin Jefferson first and you were maybe a little bit worried about how, you know, because he had a record-breaking year last year, he's going to have some regression, but you're worried about how bad that would be. You came out of this week one game against the Buffalo Bills feeling pretty good that it isn't going to be that bad. It isn't going to be that steep of a regression year for a Cooper Cup this year. <laughs> you could almost argue, if at all, after that week one performance, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts. It's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everything broke down for the Rams, and yet Cooper Cup still gave a top-notch wide receiver one day. You're happy as hell that you have Cooper Cup on your team. Wide receiver bummers. Ugh, Mike Williams. And this is a game we have to talk about in a little more detail, too. But four targets, two receptions, 10 yards. It earns him our number two wide receiver bummer spot for week one so far. Herbert spread the ball out without a doubt. But when Keenan Allen goes down in the first half with a hamstring injury, you expect Mike Williams to lead the way. And he really was nowhere to be found for the majority of that game. Was a top 20 receiver for me coming into the match against a Raiders team you should be licking your chops against. And yet Mike Williams proving to be what I ranked him in the pre-draft process to be with week one. I had him higher because of the matchup, but I said, he's going to be a boomer bus wide receiver three. Unfortunately, today was a bus day for Mike Williams. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Devontae Adams, our number two, same game. If you're worried about Devontae Adams getting the same amount of targets that he was going to get in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers as really the only true pass catcher, uh, I think that got put the rest today. 17 targets, 10 receptions, 141 yards, and a touchdown in that game against the Chargers. Derek Carr proved why he loved Devontae Adams in college, proved why he was so happy to get one of his good friends back again this fantasy football season. Because it's he only had eyes for that man. And while I don't know if he always gets 17 targets, remember, Darren Waller had 19 targets week one last year and never really came close to that mark again. I don't think it's going to be the case for Devontae Adams. I think we are talking about a receiver who should be getting double-digit looks for the majority of the season. And it showed that he doesn't need Aaron Rodgers either to be a top-notch wide receiver after this kind of performance with Derek Carr in week one. Devontae Adams, our number two wide receiver thumper on the week. Wide receiver bummers. Our number one receiver bummer of the week is Darnell Mooney. Three targets, one reception, eight yards. Now, again, the weather was terrible in this game, and there was a lot more running, and the Bears had a hard time moving the ball and generating offense until the second half. But what you don't love is the three targets. There's not really supposed to be anybody else in this team that's supposed to sniff Darnell Mooney's target share. And when the Bears were, tra- were, were, were 
behind for the majority of this game. They weren't necessarily turning the Mooney the way you would hope they would. A lot of people, including myself, had him ranked as a top 24 receiver in this week, volume-based, a volume-based wide receiver three with some upside. And I just, I'm a little bit worried about this offense. Again, it was a good defense in a bad weather game. But if Darnell Mooney is not going to head and shoulders lead the way in the volume game as the wide receiver for this team, he will become, frankly, incredibly boomer bust and it will make it hard to predict when it will be time to start him. I have a little bit of concern about Darnell Mooney moving forward, but at the very least, he did not perform for you guys here today. Wide receiver thumpers. This is Sparta! Our number one wide receiver on the week, Justin Jefferson. 11 targets, 9 receptions, 184 yards, and 2 touchdowns. So much for a really good Green Bay defense with a really good secondary and a top-notch quarter in Gerald Alexander. It did not matter. Justin Jefferson ate everyone for lunch. Kirk Cousins found him everywhere on the field. And it looks like the Jefferson versus Cooper Cup scenario that we've all been playing out this entire offseason, our fantasy football rankings. I myself had him ranked ahead of Cooper Cup as my number one receiver overall because of this reason. Yeah, it looks like that's going to be a real thing all season long. And Jefferson looks like he's here and up for the challenge to take that role with Kevin O'Connell of what he was able to do with Cooper Cup last year with what Jefferson scarily might be able to do this season. Let's talk about the tight ends. Tight end bombers. Our number three tight end bummer on the week. The bummer. TJ Hawkinson. Now, you got to feel okay. I'll give you the silver lining of he got seven targets. And most of the time, you get seven targets out of a tight end. You'll take that seven out of seven times, pretty much. But he almost only had four receptions for 38 yards. He wasn't able to get into the end zone. And for a guy who was ranked as a top 10, mostly a top eight for me, and I know top eight for most in ECR, this is not the performance you were hoping for. For an Eagle team on paper, because in their, in their recent history, have been a terrible team against a tight end position. They usually let up a score. Didn't want to be in the case here today, especially when you consider the Lions put up 35 points. So that's why he was disappointed. That's why he's our number three bummer of the week. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! Our number three thumper, and, and really our number two thumper when we get to him too, but these guys are why the tight end position is weird. Our number three thumper is Taysom Hill, who's technically ranked as a tight end, but really he's a switchblade within that Saints offense. And the reason why he's our number three thumper of the week is because of what he was able to do in the ground. He broke out that big run and ultimately ended up with a four carry for 81 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but through the air, only one target, one reception for two yards. We're going to talk about this game a little bit more, but I will say this now. Do not pick up Taysom Hill with the idea that he can be your top 12 tight end moving forward or be your streaming option moving forward. Is it interesting because he has a different type of role within that offense and he's listed as a tight end and most tight ends are not in a position to get carries? Yes, it's interesting, but it's going to be very few and far between and it's not going to be predictable 
at all. It's highly, highly volatile when he's going to be able to put up that kind of production because it will be a week-to-week, a matchup-to-matchup basis for Taysom Hill to get that involved even on the ground. Not a move you should make, but he is for this week our number three thumper, even though that probably didn't help anybody this week. Tight end bummers. Our number two bummer of the week. And he actually made my top 12, mostly due to the matchup. And because it was in a range of guys that it was pretty much going to come down to whoever was going to get the opportunity to get into the end zone. And he did a lot last year. And that was Hunter Henry, three targets, two catches, 20 yards, didn't get a touchdown. Patriot offense in general left a lot to be desired in the game today. And Janu Smith, which is probably more importantly, was more targeted, more involved. He had three catches for 31 yards and four targets, if I believe off the top of my head. Hunter Henry was somebody that I had on my bus list at tight end coming into the draft process because a lot of people were drafting him as a top 12 guy. And I said, look, I don't see how Janu Smith is never going to be involved like he was last season because they paid him too much money for that to be the case. And if Hunter Henry doesn't get the same kind of touchdown rate, he's going to be a guy that you wish you didn't have in your lineup from a week-to-week basis. Tonight showed why. If he doesn't get in the end zone, this is not a guy who has a high floor for you. He is a streaming option, nothing more for Hunter Henry as a bummer for a week one. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! OJ Howard proving to this point why this is so weird for the tight ends. Our number two thumper. He only had two targets. He only had two receptions. He only had 38 yards. But they went for two scores. He had two touchdowns. The guy who was just cut, left for dead, we thought his career might be borderline over, has a fantasy week that helped no one. Nobody started OJ Howard. This helped absolutely no one. But he did thump his way as the number, our number two thumper tight end on the week. Because why? He fell into the end zone twice. And this is why the tight end position in general is just so strange. Tight end bummers. Our number one bummer, Kyle Pitts. Seven targets, so the volume was there. But two receptions, 19 yards. Didn't score again. What else is new with Kyle Pitts? And he just kind of left wondering and holding the bag. Like, the Falcons offense played really well. And the offense yet ran through Cordell Patterson for the most part. Again, you look at the seven targets. That was tied for the most with Drake London. Better days are certainly ahead for Kyle Pitts. But maybe because he does have to share the ball with London a little bit, and he has Patterson in there, and you also have Marcus Mariota, who likes to run a lot, maybe he's not in a position to get quite the amount of volume he did last season with Matt Ryan. Again, I'm not panicking on Kyle Pitts or anything like that, but it was a disappointing performance for a guy you expect to be the number three tight end minimum. He was drafted as that overall. Tight end thumpers. This is Sparta! And last but certainly not least, our number one tight end thumper of the week, Travis Kelsey. Nine targets, eight receptions, 121 yards, and a touchdown. I talked about it all week long. I put him on my DFS teams. I said this consistently throughout the offseason where people were trying to get cute and not have Travis Kelsey in some of their rankings be the number one tight end overall or question if this is the year he falls off a cliff. I said, look, without Tyreek Hill, You want to talk about who the next pass catcher in Kansas City is going to be. Well, 
there isn't one. It's Travis Kelsey, and then everybody else will work itself out from there. That's what it proved out to be today. That is the connection to have for the season. You can't take him away. Travis Kelsey, the number one thumper of the week. And that concludes our thumper and bummer segment for today's show. And that's what we're going to have. That's basically the layout, what we're going to have from now on, on every Sunday, fun day recap. When we recap the Thursday night game and the Sunday afternoon games and kind of just talk about the thumpers and bummers of the week and highlight certain players. But what I want to do now is I want to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, I want to give the extra credit game notes of the week in a rapid fire style. So everybody stay tuned for that. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back into the show. You're watching or listening to the Sunday Funday episode, the recap of week one for the Thursday night and Sunday afternoon games. Thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show and watching us live on our YouTube channel. And check us out on bellyup.tv. Make sure you download the Fox D Network app so you can find us on your TV device on demand. And stay up to date with the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us a five-star review to help us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just went through our thumpers and bummers at each position of the week. And now it is time to talk about our game notes. Our extra credit game notes of the week. So this is where we go back, do our homework, and figure out exactly what it is we can expect or take with us, I should say, moving forward. And we're going to do this kind of rapid fire style here for the next half hour. So first up, we go back to that Thursday night game and the Buffalo Bills. And look, first up with Buffalo, Josh Allen, we talked about a little bit as his as our number one thumper of the week. He looks like he's ready to deliver on all the hype that he's had all off season long. 
Gabriel Davis is going to be at least a top 20 receiver every single week. He's somebody who has to be in your starting lineups. He played more snaps than anybody on the team at the wide receiver position, including Stephon Diggs. In this offense, with the way Allen looks, Gabriel Davis has to be in your lineups week in and week out. But the other note to take with us is the running back situation for the Buffalo Bills. It's a committee. I don't know why Zach Moss, outside of being a good pass protector, I guess you can make the argument for, but outside of that, he's he's a waste. He's a waste in the running game. 2.5 yards a carry last week, but he was utilizing the passing game. He was utilizing the running game. James Cook was not a factor. Devin Singletary didn't get to do much, even though he was the most efficient back as he per usually is. This is still definitely a two-man committee that could turn into a three-man committee with the emergence of James Cook at any given moment. And until Zach Moss either gets injured or gets out of the way, it will continue to be as such. And therefore, you have to lower your value on Darrell Henderson. Don't drop James Cook. If you if you drafted him late, stick with him for a few more weeks. Zach Moss has not been a bill of help throughout his entire career. I expect that will continue to happen there. I think Cook at some point will get his shot being that he is the most explosive back in that backfield. So don't just drop him after one week unless you absolutely need a roster spot. But on the Rams' side, there's an emergency right now with that offensive line. It's it's bad. It's unescapable. And I am, I am terrified. I had to give them the alarm button on that one. It's an emergency with that offensive line right now for the Rams. Stafford was under duress the entire game. Even if your name was not Cam Akers, even if your name was Darrell Henderson, you still couldn't get up the four yards of carry. It was completely dominated and punched in the mouth all week long against the Buffalo Bills. And frankly, after what we just saw against Atlanta, which is who they play in week two, and what they're able to do is stifling Kamara and the Saints and giving them a hard time. It's not like they're going to have an easy contest next week, and they have some more injuries to go along with it along that offensive line. If they cannot figure out a way to give Stafford time or make the running game an effective strategy to open up the play action, this offense, that could be the one thing that could make this offense, or probably should say prevent this offense from achieving its potential and what it should be. So that offensive line is something we are going to have to watch from here on out. Outside of that, though, Akers went back, watched that game very much to back up, very much cannot be looked at as anything more than a handcuff right now, but still a high valuable handcuff nonetheless, even if he is just that. Darrell Henderson, again, not a bill of health, a guy who consistently has soft tissue injuries when given a decent workload in his years past. Plus, it should be, in theory, a good scoring offense. So when Cam Akers does get his opportunities, he should be able to capitalize on them. And that was the whole thing I think Sean McVay was trying to make in the media when he said, you got to maximize your opportunities. Now, I laughed a little bit because I thought it was odd that a guy that you only gave three carries to, I'm not really sure what he was supposed to do when nobody in that backfield was efficient or was able to really do much with anything with their opportunities. Why is it that Cam Akers gets called out for it? There has to be something else going on outside of the Bills game. So we'll see if Akers is able to respond to what was clearly a public challenge from his head coach or not. But you cannot drop him. You can't trade him because you're not getting any value for him. He has to stay on your bench. We have to wait to see how this thing plays out. We'll have more data to go off of next week when they take on Atlanta. And then, of course, there's better days ahead for Allen Robinson. Ben Skronik is not a good receiver, guys. So I don't expect him to out-target Allen Robinson on a weekly basis. That game was weird and odd for the Rams in so many different ways. I am not going to panic on that. There are better days 
for Allen Robinson ahead. Let's dive into the Baltimore Ravens and the New York Jets game. So not quite the, the it was it was dominant yet not it was it was a dominant blah performance. I think that's the best way you can say it for the Baltimore Ravens. It was a boring dominant performance. They win this game twenty four to nine. It was really never not a question, and Lamar Jackson was was good. He wasn't didn't wasn't great, but didn't have to just he didn't have to do much. The Raven, there was just never really a threat from the Jets here. Big notes I take away from the Ravens side. Kenya Drake played well past Mike. Da- Mike Davis was actually third on this team when it came to snap count. Justice Hill actually was ahead of him. So somehow he became the third guy on this depth chart. But Kenya Drake, even though he was brought in late, was the one who had 11 carries in this game for 31 yards, while Mike Davis only had two carries on 11 yards. So it's not like Kenya Drake was good, but he above and beyond was the guy that they went to in that. I wonder if that stays the same until they're finally ready to have J.K. Dobbins out there. And look, while it wasn't a great performance against a Jets team, if Drake is going to be the clear-cut guy, he's somebody we're going to have to talk about as a flex consideration again. And so we know Dobbins is able to come back out there and play. The other note I have is Devin Duvernay. So he is a he's the second, he's definitely the second receiver because that was a bit of a question mark. Is it going to be Devin Duvernay? Is it going to be James Prochet? Could it possibly be Demarcus Robinson, who they brought in late in the game? It was up above and away. Devin Duvernay was the number two receiver for this squad. He gets the two touchdowns. He has the big fantasy day. Don't get wrapped up in it, though. This is a Baltimore Ravens team that typically does not support two wide receivers. Two pass catchers, yes, but not two wide receivers. It's going to usually be that wide receiver one. And, of course, Mark Andrews as the tight end would even have a great day. But still, seven targets, five catches, 52 yards. You're not going to worry about that. You just didn't get in the end zone. Rashad Bateman will be the guy who will be that number one guy. Snap count, routes run. He was that number one guy. He just didn't have, you know, the two touchdowns that Duvernay had, but he did have the big play. So Duvernay, somebody whose name is going to probably pop up on a lot of people's waiver wires, not going to pop up on mine, not really worth the ad or stash. Don't get caught up in the recency hype of a Devin Duvernay after this Jets performance. And then on the Jets side of the ball, the running backfield is, I mean, not that this was totally unexpected. It's basically a 50-50 split leaning towards Michael Carter's way a little bit in both snaps. And in carries in this week, he had 10 carries to Brees Hall, six. They were both ran about the same amount of routes and were pretty involved in the passing game. Brees Hall actually out targeted him by one, 10 to nine. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And I said that going into this week, I said the one of the things that would be interesting for the Jets running backs is the fact that with Joe Flacco, you're going to get a lot of checkdowns. He's going to want to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly, especially against a defense like the Baltimore Ravens, which is 
back up to snuff and they have a good pass rush now. They can blitz and because they have the secondary to back that up. And he knew he was going to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as he possibly could. And they were both very involved in the passing game from that sense. Brees Hall, I do think, at some point takes over as the guy, but you're going to have to wait and see on that. And because of the Jets, there's just very low floors involved because you don't know when or if they're going to be able to score a touchdown. So something to keep in mind right now, both Michael Carter and Brees Hall are back in RB3s that you consider in your flex position, in particular in PPR leagues, as long as Zach Wilson is out and Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback. And then the other thing was that there was no clear-cut wide receiver one when it comes to the actual passing game. When it comes to snap count, it was Elijah Moore. He did, he was on the field the most, even out there on running downs. When they go three t- tight end sets, Elijah Moore was out there. But when it came to actually passing the ball and spreading out, Flacco just spread the ball out to everybody. Corey Davis had the most targets amongst the wide receivers. He had nine. Garrett Wilson had eight. Elijah Moore had seven, even though he played the most technically as far as snaps go. The reason why this is an issue is because we thought Elijah Moore, clear cut, looked like the number one guy coming out of preseason and training camp. As a result, thought we could make him a wide receiver three that you can consider in your flex, especially a Jets team that is going to have to consistently come back from behind. I'm not saying that he's still not in that wide receiver three range, but he's not going to necessarily have the safety volume floor that you were hoping for if he has to share like this with a Corey Davis and a Garrett Wilson you're going to have to pick your spots. It's going to have to be matchup dependent. And if he has tough matchups like the Baltimore Ravens on the schedule, you might have to look at other options and he might be more of a wide receiver for because he's not getting that guaranteed volume to establish his fantasy floor. And the offensive line has issues for the Jets. Not that that was going to be a surprise. Not that we didn't already know that. But unfortunately, it reared its ugly head in this game. Next one up is the 49ers and the Bears. So notes I have on that is that Lance... He does have a fantasy floor with his legs. He ran a double-digit times, but he still has a long way to go as a quarterback. He still has trouble reading offenses. They definitely, like I said, the first half, it wasn't raining as bad as the second half. It was clear, though, from the get-go, the 49ers staff wanted to do all they possibly could to hide him and not overexpose Trey Lance as a passing quarterback. That's something to keep in mind of. This is not, I don't care about the weather in a sense, because this is not a good Bears team. This is not a good Bears defense. And this has to be leaving you with lacking. And I don't think Trey Lance is somebody you're going to be able to start week in, week out on your teams. The other note I have is Debo Samuel. So with Debo, wasn't that involved in the passing game? I, and because of the questions I have about Trey Lance as a passing quarterback, the pass catchers in general for San Francisco are going to be questionable at best of what they're able to do a consistent week-in, week-out basis. However, Debo did assume his wide-back duties. Now, how much had to do with Elijah Mitchell, who was having a very good game up until that point, getting the knee injury? The talk right now is that it might be an MCL sprain. We'll have to wait and see exactly. By the time you're watching this, you, we might already know the news. Make sure you're following us along at BellyUpMDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date there. But how much of it was that, which is why Debo Samuel got as involved as he did on the ground, because he actually only had one less carry than Jeff Wilson, who came in as the number two running back in that game. I don't know for sure if that was the game plan. Again, this was a mess, so I'd be curious to see. But clearly, the 49ers, week one, wanted to get Debo involved in that facet, did get him involved in the game plan, did utilize him as a weapon. So ultimately, if you drafted Debo Samuel to be a one, number one wide receiver or wide receiver one on your team, 
I think you'll be okay because he will still be involved in the running game, which will help supplement whatever Trey Lance lacks for him getting involved in the passing game. And of course, my last note was let's look out for Elijah Mitchell's knee. If it is an MCL, we could be talking about a few weeks, depending upon the severity. We shall know more. We will have Brian Scott on later in the week to talk about it when we do know more and give you guys kind of a timeline of what to expect. But Jeff Wilson is the number two running back, has been the number two running back, should be the waiver wire pickup ahead of Tyrion Davis-Price. But we know Shanahan, he may give Tyrion Davis-Price a shot. Uh, who, who knows with him? I do think Jeff Wilson gets the first crack, but we'll have to see exactly how this whole thing shakes out. Something to watch moving forward. On the bear side, again, the offensive line is an issue, and it, it showed why, I guess, a good 49ers team Justin Fields had a run for his life. There wasn't much running room for David Montgomery, who did lead the way, was the workhorse back, both in the passing game and the rushing game. But Khalil Herbert, they did have it. It came off of a drive. That's what it came off of. A lot of people are making a big deal of this because there seems to be a lot of people just banging the Herbert drums and seem to be anti-David Montgomery. And I've talked about this in, in, the, in the past, and I've had videos about this. Montgomery still dominated the touches. It wasn't even close. They had the one good drive the Bears did that kind of turned the game around for them. Herbert happened to be in on that drive, giving David Montgomery a break. He ran well in that drive. I'm not taking anything away from him, but still not involved in the passing game. Still not is still not a uh, a confident guy in pass protection, which is why he's always going to last lack playing time in that area. I'd be worried about that. I don't think Cleo Herbert is taking over this job or even making it a 50-50 situation anytime soon. But if Montgomery does go down, Herbert's showing that even behind a crappy offensive line, he can still kind of make things happen. Let's And the passing game. The passing game volume's in trouble. I don't think this is a Bears team is going to probably have, you know, borderline 500 attempts, maybe. And that could be an issue. I talked about that with Darnell Mooney when he was one of our bummers. If the passing volume's not going to be there for these guys, it could get real ugly. Cole Komet was nowhere to be seen this entire game. So... That's another one we have to look out for as far as volume goes to keep the pass catchers any kind of fantasy relevance. Let's dive into the Browns-Panthers game. So the Browns, hey, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they pick up right where they left off. Both had great games. Hunt gets into the end zone. Nick Chubb has 141 yards on the ground. It didn't matter. This was supposed to be an improved Carolina defense. It didn't matter that Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback. They were still able to handle business, and he played them as such. The pass catchers, though, is a different story. So Amari Cooper, he can't be looked at as anything more than a low-end wide receiver three. Him and Donovan Peoples-Jones, from a snap count perspective, played about the same amount. Donovan Peoples-Jones had 11 targets compared to Amari Cooper's six. Now, while I don't think that is the game plan for that to be the case week to week, that is concerning because if Amari Cooper is not head and shoulders above all the other pass catchers in the target section of this team, especially until Deshaun Watson gets back, he doesn't even have the floor on a volume base that you were hoping for. So something to consider when you're looking at Amari Cooper moving forward, he might not be anything more than a wide receiver three that might be pushing down to wide receiver four if that were to continue. The other thing, David Ajoku, and I warned you guys against this, and Chris was on the other side of it. We'll talk to him sometime this week. I'll make sure I bring this up, but David Ajoku cannot be considered a sleeper tight end or a high-end streaming option if he's still going to be in a committee at the tight end position. It's already a volatile position as it is, especially when it gets into the red zone. And yet, he has to sit there, and even though he got paid, split targets with Harrison Bryant, who, by the way, had four targets to David Ajoku's one this past week. 
I think that's something that is not, I don't think it's a fluke. I think that's something that's going to be a problem here and there throughout the season. That's why I've always had David Njoku outside my top 15. And it wasn't somebody I was drafting as a top end tight end two with upside option. Because even though Austin Hooper's gone, Harrison Bryant is still going to be a factor for the Cleveland Browns. Let's talk about Carolina. Or I'm sorry. Let's talk about the Dolphins and the Patriots. Talk about the Dolphins side. So I said all the whole time, Mike McDaniel coming from the Kyle Shanahan system. What we do know is whoever that number one wide receiver is, that number one featured weapon is, will get featured as such. Like he's going to get involved. The question will be that second option. So while Jalen Waddell in this game did get the 42-yard touchdown, and if you played him, gave you a decent fantasy day as a result, he had five targets compared to Tyree Kill's 12. I don't think that's a fluke. I think that's the consistent thing we're going to see. That looks like a Debo Samuel compared to a Brandon Ayuk stat line from last season. Jalen Waddell is going to be a boomer bust, big play dependent wide receiver three. And I love Jalen Waddell. I love his talent, but they've spent too much draft capital and too much money on Tyreek Hill to not make sure he's involved all the time. And you like this out of Hill, the 12 targets, the eight catches, the 94 yards, is he going to wind up with the same stat line he would have with Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs? No, probably not. But as long as he's a featured weapon, he can still return top 10 wide receiver status, which is what you drafted him to be. And then the other last thing for the Dolphins would be uh, Chase Edmonds. He is the lead guy. This was more of a 65-35, 70-30 split than it was a 55-45 or 60-40 split with Raheem Mostert. He had 12 carries and Mostert's five. Nobody was good in this game. I mean, Edmonds only had 25 yards. Mostert only had 16 yards. But the big thing was that he came back in the passing game, four catches, four targets, 40 yards, was actually the third best pass catcher on the team this week. Chase Edmonds is somebody who's going to be a high-end RB3, low-end RB2 in the right matchups, and you can consider playing him each week because the volume will be there as long as he is healthy himself. Then we get to the Patriots, and uh, it was not pretty offensively. They only scored one touchdown, never really got in sync, never really looked good. But the big thing I want to take away is the running backs. You know, there's a lot of, it was a lot of excitement. Like, oh, Damon Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, a lot of talk about them just being a series-by-series base. Possibly there'll be three-down workloads when it's their series, or even potentially in Stevenson's case, maybe he's the next James White on top of what he's going to get splitting carries with Damian Harris. Well, they did split carries. It was nine for Harris and eight for Stevenson, but Ty Montgomery was the James White role. He played in all the third down and longs, the two-minute drills. He was the pass catching back. So maybe it's only a scenario when Ty Montgomery is hurt, but as long as he is out there, this is very much shaping up like another three-back committee, which until there's an injury or somebody just becomes way more dominant, I'm looking at you, Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think you're able to play any Patriot back with any kind of confidence in the near future. And of course, with the pass catchers on the Patriots, nobody is a factor. You can maybe look at Jacoby Myers and PPR, but until this offense can figure out something moving forward, I don't know how many pass catchers, how many chances you want to take on this team for your fantasy lineups. Let's move into the Saints and the Falcons. So the Saints come back from behind. The Falcons had them on the ropes. They played a really good game. Won this game 27-26. to 26. Better days are ahead for Alvin Kamara. He only had nine carries in this game, 39 yards. Only three receptions for seven yards on four targets. He was not as involved as I'm sure the Saints would rather have him be involved. 
it was weird. That shouldn't happen, especially against the Atlanta Falcons, which is a good match on paper. Incredibly disappointing. But better days will be ahead for a stud like Alvin Kamara. I am not worried or panicking on him. That will get corrected. The other factor is uh, we got we to gotta look at Jarvis Landry. He's available in a lot of leagues. He's going to be one of the top waiver wire pickups we talk about in tomorrow night's show. He had seven catches for 114 yards and nine targets. He out-targeted everybody on the team. And while you can say, well, like, well, it's just week one, you got to look at it like this. He's clearly ahead of Chris Olave when it comes to the target share. They clearly plan on using him. And it looks like he's got enough left in the tank. I mean, part of the argument with Jarvis Landry is we weren't sure what kind of juice he had left. And it looks like coming into this season with this offense, he's got enough juice with enough enough opportunity that he has to be looked at as that receiver, not Chris Olave as that possible number two to Michael Thomas until further notice. Chris Olave is a really good rookie. He actually scored in this game. We'll have to see exactly what he was able to have. I'm sorry, he didn't score in this game, but he was a really good rookie. He was explosive. He can play inside, outside. We'll have to see what happens. But for right now, it is Jarvis Landry. I will mention, though, Michael Thomas had two touchdowns. Looks pretty decent. I think you're going to have a nice time out of Michael Thomas if you drafted him to be your upside play later on in drafts. On the Falcon side, Cordo Patterson's a must-start. He's picking up right where he left off. This is a this is a good defense in the Saints, and they've been good for years. And yet he had 22 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Tacks on three receptions for 16 yards on five targets. Cordero Patterson is a must-play RB2 with upside with the way Arthur Smith and this offense operated. I like what it is going to be for fantasy purposes because we're going to know who we can go with. It's consolidated around Patterson. It's consolidated around London, who had seven targets. Consolidated around Pitts, who did have a great game, but he still had seven targets. And Mariota running the football, which is why he's going to be a streaming option as one of my other notes for this Falcons team. And of course, better days ahead for Kyle Pitts. Do not be panicking on him. Let's talk about the Lions and the Eagles. So we get into this game. My first note for the Eagles is Hurts is not more accurate. There's been a lot of talk all of season long about how much more accurate he's become, this, that, and the third. He's not. He, had eight, he was 18 for 32. He's the same guy as a quarterback. This is a bad Lions defense. That hasn't changed, but it doesn't mean he's not great for fantasy purposes. 90 rushing yards and a touchdown on 17 attempts, by the way. So this team's still going to be very much a run-first team, but it also does not mean that the star, A.J. Brown, cannot perform 10 catches, 155 yards, 13 targets, A.J. Brown was great in this game, and as long as he's healthy, which is an issue with his knees, he'll continue to be great for your fantasy team. Hurts is not going to hurt him when it comes to his performances on the field when he's out there on the field. But Hurts not becoming more accurate does kill somebody. It kills Devonta Smith. Because if A.J. Brown is going to dominate and be the number one target, which I do think is going to be the case more times than not, if Hurts is not able to spread the ball out, Devonta Smith really doesn't have much value unless A.J. Brown himself is banged up and not on the field, more as a handcuffed wide receiver than anything else. I did warn you guys that Smith was on my bus list. I didn't like the idea of the Philadelphia Eagles being able to withstand two pass-catching wide receivers as fantasy-relevant week in, week out. I'm not dropping Devonta Smith just yet, but he is somebody who's going to be on that teetering spot for me moving forward if this continues to happen in this season. On the Lions' side... I talked a little bit about DeAndre Swift being great, but I did want to talk about this. The split's still very much in effect between him and Jamal Williams. And when it got to the goal line, Williams wanted with two touchdowns in this game because once they got inside the five and got inside the 10, 
it was the Jamal Williams show. They took, even if it was a DeAndre Swift series, they still took him out and put Jamal Williams in. So now that makes me a little bit concerned that if Swift doesn't score off of a big play, how many touchdown opportunities is he going to have? But he's a great player. He's explosive. I'm not worried about Swift. He's you continue to start him. Obviously, he's a must start for you. But there, I think there will be games in which when he doesn't break off these big plays like he did in this game, he might have a lower floor than what we're used to having out of DeAndre Swift. He is game script proof dependent. He will still be involved in the passing game. But just kind of keep your eye out for that. This was very much a split in the Lions backfield with both of them healthy and ready to go. The other thing was St. Brown. So we got a lot of questions about St. Brown. Are you still going to be the number one target? What does that look like on this Lions team that does have more weapons than has had in years past? We still have to see what happens when Jameson Williams, the rookie, gets back. But for now, he had 12 targets. DJ Chark had eight. He was clear to cut number one target. He had eight catches for 64 yards and a touchdown on that. He's still golf safety blanket. He looks for him. And Chark, Hawkinson, were both had eight and seven targets respectively themselves. So it makes you feel, off of 37 attempts, by the way, of Jared Goff. So it makes you feel like he can still get his double-digit targets, which is the key for him being the fantasy asset or close to the fantasy asset that he was a season ago. Let's talk about the Steelers and the Bengals matchup. Steelers pull off the unlikely upset 23-20 to against the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. The big notes I had for this was Steelers, first of all, Najee Harris to get hurt. They called it an ankle injury. We're still waiting to see, was it a high ankle injury sprain? Was it a low ankle injury sprain? Something we don't know yet. Jalen Warren was the backup. Now, he's been hyped up a little bit, has been kind of taking over over the offseason, over training camp, outplaying guys like Benny Snell and the like. He came in, he, had, he took over all the snaps for Najee Harris once he was knocked out of the game. I do think that continues as far as him being the lead guy when Harris is, if Harris were to miss time. And again, we'll have to find out. Follow us at BellyUpMDFF show on social media. We'll have those player news notifications to kind of keep you guys up to date on what's going on there. Uh, Trubisky should be benched. Look, I'm not a big proponent of Kenny Pickett. And yes, the Steelers wound up winning this game. But they lost TJ Watt, which is a big reason why they were dominating this game because he was leading the way, leading the charge of getting into the backfield of the Cincinnati Bengals, which is what led to all the turnovers. And that's the factor. Joe Burrow threw four interceptions in this game and lost a fumble. So they have five turnovers and it still took McPherson missing kicks, crazy circumstances at the end of the game for the Steelers to be able to pull this one out. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that Trubisky was 21 of 38 for 194 yards, didn't have a touchdown, didn't have any interceptions, but cannot move the needle. And frankly, wasn't an improvement over what they were getting out of Ben Roethlisberger last season. All this talk about no matter what, it has to be better than what they got out of Ben. This wasn't a better performance when they got out of Ben. If this is what's going to continue out of Mitchell Trubisky, even though, like I said, they won the game here, I think Trubisky's going to need to get benched sooner rather than later, especially for fantasy purposes when you're talking about guys like Deontay Johnson and Chris Chase Claypool, George Pickens, even on a lower rate, Pat Freermuth. For them to be consistently good, I think you need Trubisky to be benched. The targets were there for Freermuth and Deontay Johnson but not the performances. I mean, Johnson had 12 targets, seven catches, 55 yards. It's not what you're looking for. The good news is Freermuth and him both led the way in volume. Those are the two two highest drafted pass catchers. You can still play him because as long as that kind of volume is there, the opportunities are there. 
those are two good players. You play them as such. You just don't have as high expectations as we were hoping for for some of these other guys. Claypool belongs on your bench. George Pickens belongs on your bench until further notice. On the Bengals side, we saw T. Higgins lose leave this game. He had a concussion issue, unfortunately. Obviously, it's something we'll have to play out. He's going to have to go through the protocol. We're going to have to see what he's doing in practice to determine whether or not he's going to come back next week. In his absence, Jamar Chase just did Jamar Chase things. I mean, 10 catches, 129 yards. He barely, he barely missed our thumper list. 16 targets. Was tremendous as the go-to guy. They had they had to be. He beat the Pittsburgh secondary on a consistent basis. He's just a special, special player. And he's going to return that top three, top five ADP receivers that you drafted him to be this season without a doubt. But I will say this. The offensive line of Cincinnati Bengals is still a problem. And when I'll talk about how they've addressed it in the free agency, they addressed it in the draft. I think they're probably they probably will be better from a run blocking standpoint throughout the season. When it comes to pass pro, this is a Pittsburgh Steelers team that without TJ Watt doesn't have a great pass rush. They're completely dominated, completely overwhelmed, and it just looked like more of the same for the Cincinnati Bengals, where Joe Burrow is consistently having to make plays for his life. And standing in there and just getting hit over and over and over again because his offensive line can't do him any favors whatsoever. So something to look out for. That offensive line is still a problem. And I worry about Joe Burrow if he's going to continue to get smacked the way that he has. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Joe Mixon, there's a lot of talk about him. How involved in the passing game is he going to be? Were they going to look to make Samaja Perrine or look to make a Chris Evans at one point or another be that pass-catching guy? He had nine targets in this game. Yes, they had to come back from behind quite a bit, but he had nine targets, seven receptions, 63 yards. That was well ahead of Samaja Perrine, who was second, who had five targets, three, three receptions, 33. And Chris Evans wasn't even on the stat line this game. We're not worried about Joe Mixon moving forward. That's got to make you feel good if you got Joe Mixon at a little bit of a discount because he was kind of falling out of those out of that first round quite a bit in drafts because of that factor, because we didn't know if his, if his pass-catching opportunity was going to be in question as we moved into that season. Let's talk about Washington and Jacksonville. So in this game, like I said, Carson Wentz wound up having a big fantasy day because he had the 300 yards and he had the four touchdowns. But we got a taste of everything about Carson Wentz and what this commander's offense, frankly, is probably going to be. There's going to be times where they look completely terrible and they're just giving things away. There's going to be other times where they're just lighting it up and lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, so we got we got a little bit of everything. Jahan Dotson played ahead of Curtis Samuel, but Curtis Samuel led all the receivers and targets. He had 10 targets in the in that game. 
I'm sorry, excuse me, 11 targets that game, eight receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Dawson did get two touchdowns, but he had five targets, three catches, 40 yards. And then TJ McLaurin was involved even less. He had four targets. He gets the big touchdown. He got the 49-yard bomb, but still ultimately only two receptions, 58 yards. Now, McLaurin is there to be the number one guy. So I'm a little bit less worried about him. I don't think that's a normal part of the game plan, but I will say this. For Dotson's sake, before you get all giddy on him and you know his availability, I think might be around 50% right now. So he might be... We'll talk about him in the waiver wire list if he is on there. But don't go crazy going after him because as long as Curtis Samuel's healthy, if he's going to be this involved, Dotson might be a touchdown-dependent type of player. Let's not get carried away. They're not going to play Jacksonville every single week either. So outside of Terry McLaurin, I'm still kind of staying away. But I am keeping my eye on Curtis Samuel. If he continues to put out performances like this again next week, where he's getting close to double-digit targets and being targeted this heavily, Curtis Samuel might be somebody who's moving up my board and moving up my guy who you might want to go out there and get, especially on a PPR basis, on the waiver wire too. And then the last note I have is that you got to sell high Antonio Gibson while you have the chance. 14 carries, 58 yards. He didn't put it in the end zone, but then he also topped it off with eight targets, seven receptions, and 72 yards. That's, that's the number. You might be able to get somebody with that because if you just look at the box score, you say to yourself, wow, without Brian Robinson around, it looks like he's even outplaying J.D. McKissick, where we thought J.D. McKissick would continue to have his role. It wasn't really the case. When it was two-minute drill or it was a third and long, J.D. McKissick was still out there in key pass situations. It just happened to be in this game, a lot of passes were getting thrown to Antonio Gibson on screens, and Carson Wentz was doing something he doesn't normally do, which is check the ball down at an alarming rate on first and second downs, and it led to Antonio Gibson getting that work in the pass game. This isn't. This is more of a fluke than I think a thing here to stay, but while we know Brian Robinson will be back at some point and you get this kind of a stat line of Antonio Gibson, there's people who are desperate now for RB2s because certain things didn't go their way. This might be the time to sell high on Antonio Gibson before his value drops eventually. On the Jacksonville side, Christian Kirk's going to be good. Uh, he's, got, he's got good volume. He had six catches, 117 yards. He had 12 targets in this game. This was a typical game trip for Jacksonville, which is coming back from behind. You want a volume-based Christian Kirk. That's what you drafted him to be. I ranked him as a high-end wide receiver three with some upside because of the volume. That's what he delivered in here, and it looks like he's going to continue to deliver that. But the other note is this. Travis Etienne, if you drafted Travis Etienne with the hope that he would have RB2 level upside, you're sadly mistaken. While he was definitely the lead back when it came to pass catching, four targets, two catches, 18 yards, he had a bad drop. And when it came to a run game, James Robinson not only proved that he's back from his Achilles injury, which by the way means you could probably play him as a flex play, still has still is giving up too much volume, Travis Etienne, to make me feel like he's an RB2. But as a flex play, he had 11 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown. And what that does more than anything is cut down the value of a Travis Etienne. So something to keep in mind here might have to look for other options, might have to only consider him a flex play in PPR leagues only if that's going to be the case because he's not going to get the goal line work and he's not going to outcarry James Robinson. I think what we saw today was a good reflection of what the plan is each season or each week of this season when both these guys are healthy. We got our first tie of 2022 already. The Colts and the Houston Texans. 
So first off, Colts, Jonathan Taylor, it, it took a little bit. He wasn't doing great in the first half, but eventually he broke through. 31 carries, 161 yards, a touchdown. We talked about him as the number one thumper. The big thing was the pass-catching role. Now, this is a game the Colts were trailing the majority of this game, and he still walked away with seven targets. That has to make you feel good, because the reason why I was knocking Taylor, and I had him as my, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I was my number three running back, behind a Christian McCaffrey, behind a Derrick Henry in the pre-draft process, part of that was worrying about how much Naeem Hines was truly going to be involved in the passing game. And was Taylor just going to be taking out of that completely because of the way Frank Reich had been talking up what Hines' role was going to be this season? Hines did do well. He had six targets. He had six catches for 50 yards. He was very much involved. But he didn't keep Jonathan Taylor from also getting his opportunities there too. So that has to make you feel good. And, of course, Taylor going off makes you feel good. And, of course, Michael Pittman being the number one guy, 13 targets, nine receptions, 121 yards, and gets in the end zone. Michael Pittman is going to be one of the safest high-volume receivers you could possibly have this season. On the Houston side, we talked about a little bit during the bummer segment, Damian Pierce, mm -mm, 11 carries compared to Rex Burkhead's 14, played almost half the snaps of a Rex Burkhead, and... Like I said, hanging to the draft process, Damian Pierce was an RB3 for me, not any higher. Some people had him in the top 20, and I said that's ridiculous. He's not going to get the pass-catching work. He's not going to pass pro. Rex Burkhead will split time with him. That's exactly what happened in this game. And this was a game script in which should have been Pierce's, Pierce's favor. Colson didn't put up points until the fourth quarter. The Houston Texans led the majority of this game, and yet Burkhead was still spending time with them and getting eight targets for five catches for 30 yards. Burkhead is the more valuable fantasy football running back of the Houston Texans, not Damian Pierce, and somebody we will talk about on our waiver wire report. Let's dive in now to the Giants and Tennessee game. Giants pulling this one out, 21 to 20. Major upset. Not the way the Titans want to get started. But on the Giants side, if you took the chance on Saquon Barkley, and we're hoping that you get an RB1, out of him and drafting him at a discount, you got that. And as long as he's healthy, it looks like that's going to be the case. They made sure he got the ball on the ground. They made sure he got the ball through the air. He was by far the best offensive weapon the Giants have. And the offensive line against a pretty good defense did a good enough job to open up some holes. So as long as they can do an adequate enough job like they did today, Saquon Barkley could be in for a big season as long as he's out there and staying healthy. The other note is for the wide receiver standpoint, Kadarius Toney, he didn't play. He didn't even get a target. He had two carries for 23 yards, but that was it. So he must be in the doghouse right now. He's has no shot to be number one receiver as long as that is the case. I am not exactly sure what's going on with him and the Giants and Brian Dable, but Wandale Robinson got hurt in this game, early in this game, got knocked out with a knee injury, and they still didn't turn to Kadarius Toney. They turned to Sterling Shepard and Richie James. Shepard, by the way, had a 65-yard touchdown coming off an Achilles injury. If he is 100% back, and with Kadarius Tony being in the doghouse and Wandell Robinson being out, there's a really good chance we could see Shepard reassume that slot role, which is the most valuable role you could have in that Giants offense with Daniel Jones as the quarterback. I'm not saying he's definitely going to be a high priority on my waiver report this week, but he's something to keep your eye on, somebody you might want to pay attention to moving forward. On the Titans side of the ball, look, Henry wasn't great in this game. 82 yards on the ground off of 21 carries. We know it's not a good offensive line. We know these type of games are going to happen sometimes. We know that he's likely not to be involved in the passing game. 
but ultimately 21 opportunities and he looks from a physical standpoint, he looks fine. Better days are ahead for Derrick Henry. I'm not worried about this game at all. So that'll be, that'll be okay. Dontrell Hillard though. He, he's definitely there to be in their pass catching Had two receiving touchdowns in there. He'll be involved. It's definitely Derrick Henry and Dontrell Hillard coming in on passing down situations. As far as the receivers go, Robert Woods was an absolute dud. Two targets, one catch, 13 yards. Chandler Burks looked pretty good. He only had five targets, three catches, 55 yards, but he was very, very good after the catch. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets more involved. I think it might be only a matter of time before he's the number one wide receiver. So while I had some hopes there for Robert Woods, being that there was so much negativity coming out on Chandler Burks and Woods was healthy and had this rapport reportedly with Ryan Tannehill as a veteran receiver to a veteran quarterback, I am a little bit worried moving forward now with Traylon Burks looking better. And the fact that Kyle Phillips had nine targets in this game, six catches, 66 yards, it didn't do anything special with them. Had a couple big catches and a couple of big spots. But if he's getting nine targets and Traylon Burks is looking good, Robert Woods might get left behind. We'll see how that all breaks down. I still think he's a good receiver, but probably has to ride the bench until you kind of see how this Tennessee Titans thing is going to shake out. Because I do see a pathway for Burks starting to take over after what I saw today and turn around the game script on him. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Raiders. So the notes I have in this game, first and foremost, we've been trying to figure out the running back position for the Raiders, what that split was going to look like. And uh, it's Josh Jacobs. And then apparently a crapshoot. Zamir White didn't get in this game. Amir Abdullah was not the pass catching back in this game. It was Brandon Bolden who had three carries. So he had the second most carries on the team. He had two targets, two receptions, 21 yards. They had the most targets out of the running backs on the team. There's nothing to ride home about. And it very well could be Amir Abdullah and Zamir White next week, knowing how McDaniels works. But what we just know and has now been confirmed is McDaniels going to run this backfield like he did in New England. Behind Josh Jacobs, I don't want anybody out of this backfield. That is it. And Jacobs himself, 10 carries, 57 yards. One catch, 16 yards. The Raiders were trailing the majority of this game. They had to come back from behind. He is going to be a little bit touchdown dependent, but I think overall, I think you, you take out of this game, he, while he's disappointing performance, fantasy overall, how we saw the rotation breakdown means I think you have a good shot of getting back what you paid for, which was a low in RB2. And I think that's what he's going to be throughout the season. Hunter Renfro is the other note here because we were talking about Devontae Adams. So, I think I'm going to be right on Hunter Renfro. He's one of my busts. I had him in the 40s at the wide receiver pre-draft process. I had him at 42 coming into this week. And I just kept saying it over and over and over again. When there's other options on the field, Derek Carr does not really look Hunter Renfro's way, does not feature his way. That was the case here. 17 targets for Devontae Adams. He did have the same amount of targets, Hunter Renfro, that is, with Darren Waller. They both had six apiece. Waller just did more with his. He had four catches for 79 yards. Hunter Renfro, three receptions for 21 yards. I think as long as Waller and Adams are there, those are the two go-to guys, especially after the Waller contract extension. Because Hunter Renfro is not a big play guy and because Hunter Renfro is not a touchdown guy, I think it's going to take an injury for him to be a good fantasy guy. So something to kind of keep in mind moving forward. On the Chargers side, Keenan Allen gets knocked out of this game early with a hamstring injury. I would have thought that I'd be walking in here today say, well, this is where we go to Josh Palmer and expect big things. DeAndre Carter played a lot in this game and actually had a more impressive stat line 
I don't know if that's here to stay. All the all talk in the offseason was how Josh Palmer, if something were to happen to Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, would assume either one of their roles and step in. I do think that is what they're going to do. But it might not be so clear cut as far as that target share goes, especially after seeing Mike Williams be super disappointing and only get four targets in his own right. So something I'm probably going to do a little more homework on and get back to you guys probably tomorrow when we're talking about the waiver wire report. Herbert looked crisp, but he spread the ball around in the in the absence of Keenan Allen, who, by the way, still wound up being the lead receiver, even though he only played a half of football. So he looks good as long as he can get back and healthy. Hamstring injuries are a beast, though. Better days, obviously, ahead for Austin Eckler. All right, let's get into the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. So we already talked about Rodgers being our number one bummer quarterback on the week. Just didn't have a go-to option without Alan Lazard. In a way, this could be a positive for Alan Lazard when he gets back. Because, because there was clearly not a go-to option for him, that means he very well might be when he gets back into the mix. So something to keep in mind there as kind of a silver lining deal. But if you have Aaron Rodgers in fantasy football, this is not going to be a great Minnesota Viking defense, I don't believe, by the end of the season. Better days are definitely ahead than this. But I don't know if he's anything more than a low-end QB1 with the lack of weapons to go to. And then let's talk about the running backs a little bit. So Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, essentially as far as playing time, a 50-50 split. But Dylan got the better of Jones in this game. He had 10 carries compared to his five. Jones is a little more efficient on the ground, but Dylan gets the rushing touchdown. And then the key and why I had Aaron Jones, I believe could still be a top 10 running back because I thought without a go-to option, I thought Aaron Jones could actually be maybe a go-to option for Aaron Rodgers. And not thinking A.J. Dillon would truly get involved in that because he had a couple big games last year, but towards the stretch, it was Aaron Jones leading the way in the passing game and it wasn't quite close. Well, in this game, Dylan comes back and he actually had the most targets on the team with six, five receptions, 46 yards, while Aaron Jones had five targets, only one less, but three catches, 27 yards. If this is truly going to be a 50-50 split, whether it's rushing or receiving, you're going to need the Packers to commit to the running backs. After watching this game, though, and this is where the good news kicks in for that, I do think that's going to be the case. I think they realize they have to get back to getting these two running backs heavily involved and leaning on them to be their offense, kind of like a Nick Chubb and a Kareem Hunt, rather than putting so much on Aaron Rodgers to make do with crappy weapons at the wide receiver position. There's really no way, other way to describe it. Just to give you guys a quick in-look without Alan Lazard out there, Romeo Dobbs was the top receiver with five targets, four catches, 37 yards. Watson could have had a big play, dropped it in true Marquez Valdez-Scantling fashion. I, I, there's just nothing really to ride home about until Lazard gets back. And then maybe we have one receiver we could talk about for a fantasy football standpoint in Green Bay. On the Minnesota side, uh, we've been saying all year long, Justin Jefferson, are you a new Cooper Cup? Uh, the answer is yes. Nine receptions, 184 yards, two touchdowns on 11 targets. And then there was everybody else, kind of like with the Rams with Cooper Cup at the times. It was, it was Cup and, the, and then everybody else. Adam Dillon had four targets in this game. The, the actual second leading pass catcher was Dalvin Cook coming out of the backfield with five targets, which you like to see. We talked about Cook being more involved in the passing game. KJ Osborne had four targets. It was Justin Jefferson, then everybody else. This looks very much how Cup did last season. He's in for a big, big year as a result of that. And Cousins, look, I think he's very comfortable in the system. I think there's no question about that. This is supposed to be a good Packers defense on paper. 23 of 32, 277 yards, two touchdowns. Looked very comfortable throughout the entire game. While it's not a big, gaudy fantasy football stat line, 
I do think he's going to continue to be that top end QB2 streaming option for you for the majority of the season. And then last but not least, the Chiefs and the Arizona Cardinals for tonight's show. We talked about Mahomes being a quarterback thumper, had a great game. Travis Kelsey had a great game. The connection's going to stay the same. Don't get too swept up into the box score when it comes to Isaiah Pacheco. I know it's going to be hard because everybody's already gotten swept up in him so much over the offseason. And when they see, if you didn't watch this game and you just saw that he had 12 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown, while Clyde Edwards-Alaire had seven carries for 42 yards, you might think like, oh, oh, the Pacheco hype paying off. He didn't really get the majority of his work until the game was already over. Remember, this is a blowout. The Chiefs won this game 44-21. to It mostly came towards the end of the second half when there was nothing to play for. And Pacheco had a good run with the opportunities he got. It was a bad Arizona defense, and he came in in garbage time for those points. Do not start to think that you can play Pacheco next to Clyde Edwards-Alaire in your fantasy lineups. And still, Alaire performed from a fantasy standpoint because he got the two receiving touchdowns. And that's the other note. When they get into the goal line, they're still coming out of the shotgun formation. That's good news for Clyde Edwards-Alaire from that standpoint, because he's not going to be expected to pound on a goal line situation. If that ever happens, it would be Pacheco there. So that gives him a chance. But here's what I'd be worried about. You take those two touchdowns to get away. This is a very mediocre stat line, and it would leave you worrying about the rotation because Jared McKinnon had an extra target to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He had four to three. He was involved in the passing game. They did kind of split the work there in that situation. So I think without those touchdowns, there are some reasons from a fantasy standpoint to worry about CEH. I don't, he's not in the same line with me with Gibson as far as looking to sell after week one. But if he has another decent performance and the rotation still looks kind of similar to what we saw today, it might be somebody you need to move on from before it is, in fact, too late. And then, of course, the wide receiver. We wanted confirmation. We got it. It's Juju Smith-Schuster and then everybody else. He had eight targets, six catches, 79 yards. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had four targets. Miko Harmon had six. Sky Moore only had one in this game. So until Schuster gets banged up, he is the guy out the gate that you want to take notice of. And on the Arizona side, the offensive line is an issue. They are overwhelmed. And while this Chiefs defense on paper could be improved, there's still a lot of young pieces in the Spagnola defense system. Typically takes a lot longer for them to get looking on the same page. This looked like a Chiefs playoff defense not the beginning of season defense. And I think that had more to do with the Arizona Cardinals offensive line and lack of offensive weapons due to injury than it did the Chiefs defense. It's bad. It's a problem. Kyler Murray had to run for his life. He never really had much time in the pocket and the running game really never got going. I mean, James Conner was 2.6 yards a carry. So that's something to kind of look out for when it comes to Arizona. That O-line is a problem. Without Rondale Moore, if you're looking for another receiver on Arizona, not named Marquise Brown, it does look like that's going to be Greg Dorch until either Rondale Moore returns or until we get to DeAndre Hopkins in week six. Really won't be an ad for me unless it's deeper leagues, but he did have nine targets in this game for seven receptions and 63 yards. Better days are ahead for James Conner. He saves his day with the, with the touchdown, 10 carries, 26 yards, but he was still involved in the passing game, six targets, five receptions, 29 yards, still got 15 opportunities. Better days will be ahead for James Conner as long as he is healthy. That does it for today's show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back tomorrow with the primetime recap. So the recap of the Sunday night and the Monday night games, and then we'll have our 
heroes and zeros, the, co- the players I was right and wrong about on week one. And we'll wrap it up with the waiver saver segments. Who you guys need to go ahead and pick up to get your teams better and ready for week two. Make sure you guys download us on your favorite podcast app. Check us out and subscribe to us on YouTube and download the Foxy Network app so you can watch the show on demand. We will see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.